0: buddy and welcome back to another podcast of the money multiplier. My name is Hannah Kessler and today I'm actually on the road. I'm reporting live from Alabama. And I'm solo podcasting today, so usually I have my father on with me, Brent Kessler. And uh, today I, I just decided, you know, I'm hitting the road, I'm, I'm with my cat, and I'm in my conversion van. So uh, for, for y'all, for those of you who don't know much about me or the money multiplier or, or our family... Um, Actually, I just used one of my infinite banking policies to finance a conversion van. So if y'all don't know what a conversion van is, uh, go out, go Google it. They're they're pretty cool. And uh, or most of y'all have seen them maybe on the road. They're kind of like those Mercedes Sprinter vans. And uh, folks will convert the back side of it and uh, convert it into a livable RV type style. And so anyways, I'm hitting the road for a few weeks, left Florida yesterday and uh, making my way up to Colorado and then down through Arizona in the Tucson area. So the, the reason I'm kind of bringing this up as well is, is because, you know, hey, the concept that we teach, I mean, I would have never, ever thought at 22 years old, I'm sitting here today with my own house, my own conversion van, my own car, you know, and, and, I'm, and I am able to completely finance these things through my own infinite banking policies. So if this is your first time listening to this podcast, what we teach over here is a concept called the infinite banking concept, or some folks might refer to it as IBC. And um, this whole concept stems from a book uh, from R. Nelson Nash, and it's called Becoming Your Own Banker. So if this is the first time that you are hearing about this concept, I would pause this podcast right now and go visit our website www.themoneymultiplier.com and up on the task bars up there in the navigation bar on the home page click on resources and then click on presentation so that's a good starting place to understand the foundation knowledge of why are we practicing this how are we doing it? What are we doing over here? Right? So, so kind of start there. And then also I highly, highly recommend if you're implementing this concept, or if you're just starting to research it and getting into it, read the book Becoming Your Own Banker, because that book is the mac daddy of it all. And Nelson lays it down like nobody else. And, and really, he's the godfather of of this concept and bringing it to the public's eye so again you know this concept's nothing new it's actually been around longer than our tax code you know our tax code's been here since 1913 so it's just a strategy that the super wealthy and elite use to leave a legacy to their families and and the financial literacy to their to their hairs to their family empire you know the rockefellers the rothschilds the the Morgan Stanleys and the Barclays. You know, it's nothing that we're doing different over here. We're not reinventing the wheel. Really, we're just mimicking and imitating exactly what the super elite and super wealthy are doing. So, okay. So anyways, if this is the first time you've ever heard of this, pause the podcast now and go check out some of those resources that I just gave you. So now to dive into the topic of what I want to talk about today. I wanna talk about choosing the best insurance company to work with. Because right, I mean, what we're doing over here is we're using specifically engineered whole life insurance policies, right? So they're not just the typical whole life insurance policy that you can go down to your local insurance agency and purchase right off the shelf. This, This is something that goes into the specific design for the high cash value liquidity of the policy so you can use it for the living benefits. Whole life is not just for death benefit, and and it's really sad that the general public doesn't know all the features and the benefits of these different tools that are out there, and really that's why it's our mission to educate the public and getting the knowledge out there. And hey, it's up to you if whether you, or not you want to take action with the information we provide. So so to go into this, a a common question and topic that keeps coming up is, you know, what insurance company should I work with? And I guess I first want to start off by talking about that work with something, someone, a a, a mentor, a practitioner of this concept who is educating other folks on this, who has gone through the Nelson Nash Institute and their protect practitioners program and so they know how to correctly design these policies and put you with the best company that suits your needs and your goals because all these different companies they all have different guidelines of, of you know underwriting guidelines or what company is best for different strategies I'm trying to use which one's better for children in the long-term uh, uh, retirement aspect of these policies you know each, each one of them have different engineering uh, uh, aspects to it that make these products and whole lives different from each carrier. So first, by starting off, you know, Nelson talks in his book about working with a mutually owned insurance company. Now, that's very important. You do not want to work with a stock owned insurance company. So what's the difference, you know, a stock insurance company, what they do is, is that the shareholders and the stockholders of that company, they share in the profits and the dividends of that insurance company. We're over here at a mutually owned insurance company. That means that that company has the best interest of the policy holders and the policy holders share in the profits and the dividends of that company. So mutually owned insurance companies are very, very important when establishing this concept. And on top of that, you know, just look at their dividend history, you know, have they been around for a lot, a while? Have they been paying dividends for 100 plus consecutive years to just look at what they're doing in the performance of that company. And that will kind of lead you into the right direction as well. I mean there's a great there's a lot of great companies out there and, and and actually even so there's a lot of great mutually owned companies out there but some of them just don't fully accept infinite banking you know they don't allow us to design our policies for this concept they have high 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 loan interest rates you know some companies won't even allow you to to take out loans immediately from the policy you know they have some time period where you have to wait to take out loans. Um, and actually, I, I guess the thought is floating through my head right now. I wanna drive this point home as well, is, is that again, we're working with whole life policies, not IULs not term not mutual funds this is a whole life specifically engineered policy designed for this concept so again a whole life policy so to to kind of go along with these mutually owned companies you know Uh, There are a lot of great companies out there. I mean, just to name a few uh, that my family has policies with, Uh, Ameritas, Security Mutual Life of New York, uh, Penn Mutual, uh, One America. You know, they also go by American United Life. Um, there's Lafayette Life out there. Uh, Guardian is another one. And uh, Foresters. you know, so, so those are some uh, seven companies that I just named that are great companies that support infinite banking, what we do and, and why we're using them. Um, another one, you know, that, that a lot of folks know the name of is Mass Mutual. You know, everyone sees Mass Mutual in the banners of the stadiums or on their TV when when commercials play. So, um, so, so another great mutually owned company. And, and another thing to look at these companies, you know, is to look at whether they perform their dividends on direct recognition, or is it non direct recognition, So so kind of what's the difference between the both, you know, so so in my personal opinion, and it's not required, Nelson kind of talks about this a little bit as well. But in my personal opinion, I like working with non direct recognition companies, preferably. And what that means is, is that when you are taking loans from the policy, and you're actively using the money for investments, debt payoff, going on vacation, etc. You know, when you're taking out these loans, your dividend will not be affected by the loan that's outstanding. Totally opposite from what a direct recognition company does. Direct recognition means that your loan will be affected whether you have an outstanding loan or not. So, so, or excuse me, I shouldn't have said or not, but, but your, your dividend will be affected if you have an outstanding loan on the policy. That's direct recognition. So, so. Why I I, kind of talk on this is is that or or maybe an example that I should give y'all is is that so let's say that you have a policy and let's say it has $100,000 of cash value in it. Now again, don't get hung up on the numbers because I mean me over here, when I started my first policy, I just started off at a 5000 annual premium. So, so right, it, it immediately, I didn't have 100000 to take out and start using. So, so again, 100000 is just my example I'm going to use. But let's say that I have a policy and it has a cash bucket of 100000 in it. And let's say that I want to take that money out and I want to go do a private lending deal. So that, pri- that, that borrower, they're asking for, let's say, 70000 that borrower needs $70,000 to go out and do whatever they're going to go do it with. So, with a non direct recognition company, when I take out my $70,000 of cash from the policy, at the end of the year, if I still have that $70,000 of a loan outstanding, my dividend will be honored based on the 100000 of the full cash bucket that's sitting in my policy. Even though I have 70000 of a loan outstanding, my policy will be honored on that full cash bucket accumulation in the policy. Over at a direct recognition company, what happens is is that if I have that 70,000 outstanding of a loan, I will receive a dividend based on only the cash that's still left inside of my policy, the 30,000. So so if I take out a loan of of 100, subtract my 70, that means I have 30,000 that's still sitting in the policy. Well, at a direct recognition company, I will only be honored by dividend based on that 30,000 that's still left there in the policy, not the full 100,000 cash bucket that I originally had. So that's a difference there. And that can be a huge difference. You know, so, so there are kind of some ways to go around it. Because uh, to be honest, I mean, my family, we have policies with direct recognition companies. And, and so how you can kind of go about this is, is that A, you know, you can make sure to pay back your loan by the end of the year to receive that full dividend payout. Or we can kind of talk about the, the going the route of going down to your local bank and taking what's called a cash value line of credit from the conventional bank, you know? So, so you can walk into a bank and, and, and show them your policy and say, hey, Mr. Banker, I have 100000 sitting in my cash value of my policy. Will you make me a loan of 80000 and for collateral, I will give you my policy in the, if, if or for whatever reason I don't pay my loan back, you can take my collateral of that policy. And, and truthfully, a bank's going to do that all day long because there's no better collateral for a bank than cash. And if you really want to dive into it, you know, banks, they own more in whole life insurance than their land and their buildings combined. You know, I I mean, even since 2013, banks have quadrupled their portfolio of whole life insurance that they have on their key employees in their banks. And, And it's just saying, hey, are they doing something ridiculous and stupid? Or are they doing something that the rest of us just don't know about? So, so again, that, that's another topic for another time, but, but banks will take collateral of whole life cash value policies all day long. And actually, it's kind of funny because I got some feedback as well that banks will take collateral of whole life policies, but they will not take collateral of index universal life policies or IULs is what most folks call them kind of interesting if you really start to think about it so so that's just a few ways of how you can go around uh if you are working with a direct recognition company to make sure that you do receive that full dividend by the end of the year but but again you know so Nelson he he never really had a preference whether to work just with non-direct or just with a direct company so so it's really just knowing the pros and cons of each and which one bet better suits your needs. So that kind of leads me into the point of dividends, you know, a lot of times I see people will start chasing dividends. They will go from company to company to company and look at, well, this company has this dividend and this company has this dividend payout. And, and and I just tell you right now, stop doing that. Do not get paralysis by analysis and tripping over the dime to pick up the pennies. What I mean by this as well is, is that with these dividends, Whatever company that you're working with and kind of on the onset of what I said, when you find a mentor who's a practitioner and who is actively doing this in their life, they're gonna stick you with the company that best suits your needs and your goals based on the conversation that you had with them. I mean, I can't vouch for everybody, but that's what we do over here at the Money Multiplier is is that we're gonna put you with the best company that's gonna suit your needs. Because really there's no silver bullet out there for everybody and no magic pill that's going to fix everybody's needs. But when when you lay down your goals and and kind of what's going on in your arena and your lifestyle, they're going to pick the best company for you. So you know, so some companies are great for if you're trying to do a large dump in the first year of the policy, some companies are better for the, the later liquidity, and stronger later year growth, because hey, maybe you don't care about high cash value and liquidity in the early years, you're using this policy to build your foundation and to build your banking system. And then and then someday in the future, when you hit the retirement age, you want to be able to retire and live off of these policies. You know, some companies are better for if you have health concerns going on in a long uh, health medical history. Uh, some are great for children policies over others. So so there, there's a lot of criteria and factors that go into why what company you are with is better suited for your needs compared to others. And just ask the questions, you know, to just ask the questions. Hey, hey, um, hey, mentor, why did you stick me with this company? And they'll come back and they'll tell you. So to kind of go back on the dividends, another topic I wanted to touch on as well. And, and another good question to ask is, Is this company's performance of their dividends in their policy illustration, is this based off of current dividend assumptions or is it based off of future dividend assumptions? Because that's very powerful. I cannot tell you the amount of time some folks will call me up and they'll say, Hannah, I got this policy about three years ago. You know, the illustration looked good and great, but I'm noticing that the dividends are not as great as what it showed me as what it was going to be projecting later on down the road. What's going on here? And really the answer is because that company, they're basing their dividends based on future assumptions versus the current ones. And, and you know, I, I guess they're not lying to you wholeheartedly, but they're kind of being deceiving in a way that that's just my personal opinion. So So I like personally working with companies that have that current assumption dividends because I would rather... I would rather under-promise and over-deliver. You know, if, if, if they perform better than what's projected, awesome. You know, it, it's turning out better in real life. But what would really suck is, is that if you had your, your policy and you thought that you were going to get a dividend of $2,000 this year, but it actually came back as uh, uh, $1,200, I mean, I, I, I would be a little uh, upset or a little grumpy uh, uh, just a little bit. Right. So so that's kind of something I've been thinking about a lot and with these different companies as well is is how they're basing their dividends and their dividend performance. I know I'm talking a lot about dividends on this podcast, but like I just said a few minutes ago, don't go chasing dividends. So what I mean really by that is don't lose sight of your why and the purpose you started this. Your why and your purpose is, is that you're you're now taking back the control and breaking the bonds of financial slavery that you didn't even realize that you were in. Take back the control and stop contributing to the problem of the economic cycle of the boom and bust and contributing to the Fed and, and keeping these banks afloat. Oh, that actually, I'm thinking about it now. That's another podcast I should really get into is Austrian economics versus fractional reserve banking. So, so if you guys are really geeks out there like myself, that, that I, I gotta start doing that and diving into that. But, but anyways, don't lose sight on the why and the purpose of what you're doing. You know, inside the policy, I know that I am beating inflation. I know that I am building tax-free growth inside of my policy. I know that when I hit my graduation date or my death date, that I am going to leave a financial legacy to my family. And again, it all goes back to control. Who has control of your wealth? Is it tied into the markets where it can go up and go down? Did you give it to just some Edward Jones guy and said, here, uh, uh, invest it into a, a, a low risk category or a moderate risk category and get me returns each year as they collect their 2% on you? You know, is your dollars tied up into real estate where you're your cash poor, but you're paper rich? Don't lose sight of the why purpose where The number one factor, I guess, just in my opinion, is to be in total control of your hard earned dollars where you're able to allocate where you want that money spent and where you want it to go. And then on top of that, you know, like I was just talking about in the beginning, I mean, I'm 22 years old. What bank do you think was going to give me a loan to a 22-year-old for a $55,000 van at a low interest rate? None of them at all. They'd be crazy, right? I mean, I just started off in my life and just starting to build my credit in my history, so, so there's freedom involved in getting policies as well. It doesn't matter what your credit score is. It doesn't matter if if you had a big financial catastrophe and you just need to go in there to, to live off some cash for a little bit while you get stacked up again. You know, the insurance company is never going to ask you why you're taking out loans from the policy. That's my favorite thing. And then on top of that, they actually never even ask you when you're ever going to pay back your loan loans. I mean, crap, if I go down to a bank and try to get a conventional loan, it's almost like uh, um, I know I'm not a man, but it's almost like taking a prostate exam, right? (laughs) So 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 that's another thing as well as just having that freedom uh, of being able to go in there whenever you want and saying this is my money, I'm going to take it out. And I'm going to use it for this because this is where I'm trying to go in life. Where, actually, if you guys have ever tried this, go down to your local bank and try taking out all of the money that you have down there at the bank. And I promise you, they probably won't give it to you right there on the spot. Isn't that a little strange? So now, as you build this, you are going to have more than one policy. Because when you really start diving into the world of infinite banking... You're, you're not just going to have your one policy that you use and you dedicate to. So this is another topic that we'll dive deeper into in another time. And and actually, this is a topic that I'll be talking about in our mastermind coming up. It's May 5th to May 7th, 2022, and I'm hosting it down here in Daytona Beach, Florida. So landing page is coming very, very soon to register for the event. But, but that is another topic that I'll be going over over? When do I start my second policy? How do I know when I'm ready? Should I just stick with one insurance company? Or should I diversify and have companies with with, uh, or excuse me, have policies with different companies and not stick all my eggs in one basket? I mean, I guess the fun thing about infinite banking is, is that it's the freedom of choice. You know, you can decide what you want to do, how you want to do it and how you want to implement it. Because really, I mean, at how, what I tell all of our folks as members of the Money Multiplier, you are in the driver's seat and I am just here to support you and help you lead you to the best route. You are going to be the decision maker and, and, and I'm basically going to bring you the menu and you tell me from the menu what, what you want to eat and which option you want to go for. So so um, I, I guess I will end off this podcast by saying that the companies that we have over here that i personally work with and and what i personally like it is security mutual life mass mutual pen mutual One America and Lafayette Life. I would highly look into them and check out their history of dividends, check out uh, uh, where they're located, their portfolios, what they've been up to the last uh, decade or so, and um, just really start to research them. So before I end here today, keep in mind that the policy illustrations, that is nothing more than you just looking at the... The, the ultimate worst of what the policy is going to do. So really, when you're looking at your policy illustrations, you're basically saying, hey, I'm going to purchase this policy, keep making my premiums, stick it in a drawer, and don't do anything with it. No, 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 but that's not what we're teaching you over here, right? We teach you that, hey, your money is in the policy now already compounding for you uninterruptedly with uninterrupted compounding growth. Take that money out, leverage the policy and go put it to work so you can now make money in two places. Make money in the policy and then go make money out there in an investment for you. So the reason I say this is is because when you're looking at these illustrations, you're really not looking at the true numbers. The true numbers are going to be greater than what that policy illustration is showing you. And I know you're just going to have to trust me on that statement right now, but I can give you a resource to go fact check me. If you have Nelson's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, Go look at his chapter and his equipment financing examples. And he shows us when he uses the policy, because really, Nelson, he used to be a forester. And so when he had his forestry business, he needed equipment. And that was the trucks that he was buying. And so Nelson showed us four different examples of if you were to use the policy to buy one truck, two trucks, two trucks. Three and then four trucks. And he noticed that the more that he used his policies for the stuff that he's already buying in life anyways, the larger the values got inside of the policy. So go check out that resource because it's very insightful and you'll start to understand that, yeah, you know, policy illustrations are cool and all. It's fun to see the cash flow and the design, but really that's not how it's going to perform. Because when you start actively using the policy for the crap that you're buying in life anyways, it's just going to perform better and better. Because honestly, y'all, you guys are going to keep buying houses, you're going to keep buying cars, you're going to keep investing into real estate or stocks or crypto. So so if you're going to do it anyways, just do it a smarter and more efficient way. And that's what IBC is all about. So anyways, that, that's kind of all I wanted to go over in this topic here. I wanted to talk about mutually owned insurance companies and and finding the rest the best company for you. So I gave y'all a few insurance companies to go look at. But again, my number one advice of where I would start is find yourself a practitioner who is actively doing this and they will lead you into the right direction. That, that That's what we had to do. I mean, that's why we got certified with the Nelson Nash Institute to ensure that we are teaching the public the correct information, just like Nelson intended and wanted to see. So, okay, well, I got to get going. I am actually headed to Colorado and and I'll be making my way out to the Tucson, Arizona area uh, where I'm meeting a few of you uh, while I'm out there. Uh, but again, so, so we have our uh, every Wednesday, you know, we have three live webinars with ongoing trainings. Uh, we have recorded past boot camps on our YouTube channel. We have an infinite banking Facebook room that has just grown, grown, grown so much. I mean, I think right now we got about 2,500 members in that group and it's just a place a safe place to collaborate to ask questions to bounce ideas off of because sometimes when you start getting into this concept, you know, you, you'll you'll get so excited about it, right? Because truthfully, infinite banking, if y'all really understood what was going on with infinite banking and the public knew. There would be a line outside of the door wanting to come in trying to get one of these policies. But, but it's just because the wisdom and the conventional teachings of money, it's just not there. You know, we're, we're just always taught to go to college, go find a good job, pay off my student debt, put my money into a 401k. At age 60, 65, I'm going to retire and, and, and the government's going to take care of me. Have we seen that happen thus far? Really start thinking about it. So if you want to get in contact with me, uh, you can text me. Honestly, Uh, text me, call me. My phone number is 913-908-3511. My email is Hannah, H A N N A H at themoneymultiplier.com uh you can go to our website and just tune in keep hanging around us keep learning and absorbing more of this stuff and it'll start to become clear and clear so I'll catch you on the next episode and I really hope to see you for our live in-person mastermind where we just go two days, all concepts of infinite banking, the different usage of the policy, employee benefits, retirement planning, funding for weddings, charitable giving, uh, tax-free growth, etc. Just a lot of different topics that we can really start diving into because I mean, there's a reason that Nelson Nash named it the Infinite banking concept and that's another topic we'll get into in another time all right well thanks for joining me i'll log off here and i'll catch you next week on another episode chat soon